This is Clinician's Roundtable, and I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. While many physicians dream of taking a year off or more to raise a family, explore a non-clinical career, or travel around the world, few realize the scope of obstacles they may encounter when they attempt to resume clinical practice. These include difficulties getting hospital privileges and state licenses, as well as keeping up with the fast pace of medicine. I have a keen interest in this topic as my 10-year stint as a full-time medical journalist nearly prevented me from returning to clinical practice. Luckily, there are programs out there to help. Our guest today is Dr. Leonard Glass, a retired surgeon and founder of the Physician Retraining and Reentry Program. Dr. Glass, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Dr. Glass, tell us about the Physician Retraining Program. What is it? Who's it for, and how did it come about? About five years ago, after driving some of my eight grandkids back home after a visit, I got to thinking about their future and access to health care. I was concerned about it because of the many articles that had been written over the last 10 or 15 years about the shortage of primary care physicians. Therefore, I started thinking about it, and over a period of months, I evolved a concept of online training of retired or otherwise not working or partially working physicians and utilizing the faculty at the University of California at San Diego School of Medicine, I was able to come up with an online training program which takes people of any and all specialties and recycles them, if you will, for want of a better term so that they're able to safely and enjoyably practice full-time or part-time adult outpatient primary care medicine. Uh, That sounds like quite an undertaking. Is the program just for retired physicians, or you mentioned that others, who would these others be? We do have retired physicians, but we have also, especially more recently, tapped into the market or the pool of burned out or early burnout physicians of any specialty. We have neurosurgeons, psychiatrists, dermatologists who just go on and on in medical specialties of people who are simply burned out of their specialty, especially obstetrics, and are still interested in working and contributing force in the healthcare industry. And we have been training them. We've enrolled about 300 of them over the last four years since the program was launched. And think of it this way. At the top of the funnel, we have various specialties. At the bottom of the funnel, everybody looks the same. Everybody is practicing adult outpatient primary care medicine. Even though they may have finished a residency years before, in OBGYN or neurology or psychiatry and so on. That's the program in a nutshell. We have also some women who have dropped out of the program early to start a family, and they now like to come back to work. They really can't return to obstetrics because most institutions limit hospital staff privileges to people who have practiced their specialty in surgery in the last pre in the previous two years. So if someone has been out for four or five years getting a family started, 
they really have no way to get back into the practice of obstetrics and gynecology. So they go back doing adult outpatient primary care medicine instead. We have other people, and I'll mention gynecologists as a good example, who want to expand their practice. Instead of limiting it to gynecology, they want to be completely competent doing total health care, lipid metabolism, and so on. So we have those people who are simply looking to expand their practice. That gives you an idea, I hope, of some of the people that we have. Yes, if I can share my own personal experience, I had difficulty getting back because of that two-year rule that you mentioned. And I was kind of hoping that this program might help with that. Licensing, that can also affect licensing. In uh, Texas, for example, one has to be in active practice for at least one year out of the last two to get a license. Florida requires clinical practice two years out of the last four. So if one took a few years out to have a family, all of a sudden you're stuck. Does the program help out at all with this bureaucracy? It does to some degree. As a matter of fact, we've attended this year, I think, will be the third consecutive year, the meeting of the National Association of State Medical Boards. And we have lobbied them on our own because I'm interested in this program of getting people back into the workplace to look, take care of this shortage. There was a study done, I think, about two years ago now, which identified a shortage of about 8,500 physicians in adult outpatient primary care medicine as being the shortage which was increasing every year. So we're so interested in doing something about that shortage that we do things like go to these, do some lobbying work on our own if we can and familiarize the state medical boards as much as we can with the existence of our program and with the validity of it people who complete our program successfully, which usually takes five or six months, receive 180 hours of CMEs from UC San Diego School of Medicine. All of our faculty is UC faculty. They work for us part-time. The short answer is no, we can't represent to anyone that we're going to help them or we're going to obtain a new a renewal of their medical license. But we're part of the equation. We think that having our training helps them along the path indirectly with renewal of their medical license. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and I'm speaking with Dr. Leonard Glass about the physician retraining and reentry program available for retired and other physicians wishing to work in a primary care setting. Dr. Glass, can you tell me the story of uh, one of your recent graduates? Why did they choose the program and what are they doing now? Well, I'll give you an example. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't have permission to do that, although I, I suspect he would provide it. I'm sure he wouldn't mind, but I haven't asked him for it. This gentleman was 68 years old and had retired a year and a half or two earlier from a full-time private urology practice. 
He was bored. He didn't want to spend the rest of his life playing golf. And he decided to take our program. He got a job with a community health center, and he loves it. They love him. He loves them. What a lot of clinic CEOs find out is that when they hire one of our physicians like him, who's board certified or was board certified in another specialty, they get really sort of a two for the price of one. Now, when someone with a primary chief complaint of a urologic issue comes into the clinic, they ask our alumnus if he would mind seeing those patients, in addition to, of course, his other primary care patients. And they avoid outsourcing that initial consultation. Yeah, I can just see his eyes light up when when a patient comes in with a urinary tract infection. That's great. (laughs) We have a physician who was an expert at microvascular facial reconstruction after cancer treatment or severe trauma. And this physician lost vision in one eye and therefore, without binocular vision, was no longer able to do surgery. He is now practicing adult outpatient primary care medicine because he's no longer able to practice surgery. There's stories that go on and on. We have all sorts of specialties involved, and we have many surgeons who had a mini-stroke or in some way an injury and can no longer practice surgery in addition to the binocular vision issue. And they want to keep contributing to medicine and they want to practice medicine. And uh, there's very little else they can do, as you've found out, if you've been out of a long time. The state medical boards will seem to be, each of the state medical boards in the country is independent and have their own set of rules, regulations, and customs. But in general, they're not as stringent, in my opinion, as they are with surgeons. Getting surgical staff privileges at a hospital or surgery center is extremely difficult after someone has been not practicing for any length of time that's significant. So they come our way. Well, I think it's uh, it's just fantastic that you uh, not only recognize the problem of the physician shortage, but uh, were able to do something about it. Now, suppose I wanted to try to get into this program. You know, I'm retired. I changed my mind. What are the nuts and bolts? What do I have to do? Well, you would contact our office and they would ask you to verify that you are a licensed physician. In general, we really don't accept people who are not licensed. We do evaluate each case individually. We've even started a scholarship program. The cost of our program, including everything, contact with the faculty if there are any questions or teaching issues and so on, is $9,750. If this is a financial hardship for some people, We have a a scholarship program, which is not as good as we'd like it, but it's better than nothing. We get some of our investors to advance funds up to several thousand dollars. 
to help defer the cost of this so that people who are good prospects for employment can take advantage of our program. Who is a good prospect for employment is a good thing that you might be interested in. Our overall goal is to get people back to work, to do something about this shortage, which is becoming very serious. We've found that the people who have been out of practice for the least amount of time are the most likely to be easily placed in a job once they finish our program. So some a person who has been out of practice for 10 years, like you mentioned yourself, that is going to be a tough nut to crack. Can they get a job? Yes. Is it going to be easy? No. Those are people that we urge to do pro bono work to help get back into direct patient care. Just to set the record straight, I am gainfully employed as an associate professor at the University of Tennessee. (laughs) People who are willing to relocate have a much higher chance of getting a job. We have a division It's only one person, admittedly, but it's a full-time salaried slot of someone whose job it is to help our people fulfill requirements of letters of recommendation, all kinds of things, to help them get a job. That's the end result that we're looking for. So the younger you are, your willingness to or ability to relocate, the shorter your time of active patient contact, All these things are taken into consideration, and those people qualify often for some financial assistance from us. Do you have enough graduates to give an estimate of the percentage that do find uh, employment? Yes. We have uh, enrolled over 300 physicians in the program over the last four years. 103 of them have completed the program. About 80% are working. That sounds pretty good to me. We're very pleased with it, but not satisfied. We want to get the word out to more people to let them know that there is something available online. You know, there are other programs which will educate and bring up to date retired or semi-retired or non-working physicians, but I don't think they'll do it online. And also, most retraining programs retrain people in their original specialty. There are not very many who will take people who have been a psychiatrist or a nurse. We have three neurosurgeons who have graduated from our program and turn them out to do adult outpatient primary care medicine. It's amazing. I've spoken to literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people in that situation. It's amazing how many of them went to medical school thinking they would do outpatient primary care medicine uh, when they finish their training. But along the way, like many of us, they get interested in other things like I became a surgeon and so on. And this is now sort of a second chance to do that initial, to fulfill that initial fantasy that they had, which was not fulfilled by going into a specialty. Dr. Glass, I want to thank you for joining us today and discussing the physician retraining and reentry program. Thank you for having me. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. To access this episode and others in this series, 
and to download the ReachMD app, please visit ReachMD.com, where you can be part of the knowledge. We encourage you to leave comments and share this program with your colleagues. Thank you for listening.